0: public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania.
1: Good evening, welcome to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Jason Dole. Rosh Hashanah starts Friday evening. It kicks off the Jewish High Holy Days. Patricio Rabayo speaks to Rabbi Zierler about the holiday's history, significance, and traditions. That will be coming up in the second half of the program. And Liam Mayo is going to join us live. With the latest local news from The River Reporter. But first, we have some news out of Albany today, and it touches, even if briefly, on three different big stories right now, including Congress's move towards impeachment inquiry in the House, the ongoing migrant crisis in New York, and most prominently, COVID-19. With the COVID-19 cases on the rise again, Governor Kathy Hochul resumed briefings on the illness today, and she's recommending that all New Yorkers get the new vaccines, which are aimed at the newer versions of the virus. And will be available as early as this week. Senior Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt has
2: more. Everyone would like to see COVID in the rear view mirror. The disease is not done with us yet.
3: Everybody now knows somebody who had COVID recently. I think it was in the back of our it was in the recesses of our minds for a long time because we didn't we weren't exposed to anyone who had it. My daughter had it last week, my son in law had it last week, my neighbor had it last week, people at work have had it. Um, Many of my commissioners have had it, so the reality is
2: setting in. So people are actually saying, oh, it's back. The governor says data shows cases are ticking up and are now running at around 15 people for every 100,000. That's still far lower than the 50 per 100,000 just a year ago and the 300 cases per 100,000 at the end of 2021. But Hochul says it's hard to obtain accurate numbers because testing for COVID has largely become a private matter. People use at-home test kits and stay home for a few days until they feel better, but they don't normally notify their doctors or seek a test from a hospital or health clinic. COVID-related hospitalizations have been increasing since July. State health officials say 60% of all hospitalizations in some regions of the state are due to people having the illness. Hochul says the good news is that a new vaccine aimed at providing immunity to some of the newest variants of the virus will be available in New York as early as Friday. She urges everyone over the age of six months to get it.
3: Make this part of your routine health maintenance every fall because this is the new normal the
2: shot is not a booster version of previous vaccines but an entirely new vaccine state health commissioner dr james mcdonald says people should not become complacent if they've already had numerous shots he says the older booster shots are no longer effective against the current versions of the virus
1: people need to look in the mirror and say how do i protect myself that's what i'm hoping the virus changed now the vaccine has changed and that's all we're doing here we have we're just up to date now. You know, with the virus change, now the vaccine is up to date. So I'm encouraging people to get it.
2: In McDonald says a new variant known as BA-286, which is not a subvariant of Omicron, but a new genetic mutation of the virus, has so far not been detected in New York. Health officials say if you do come down with COVID, you should consider taking an antiviral medicine like Paxlovid that eases symptoms. And Hochul, saying it's not the bad all days, says there are currently no plans to close schools, require masks in public indoor spaces, or mandate vaccinations. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt.
1: And thanks to Karen DeWitt and New York Public News Network for that report Governor Hochul also took questions at that press conference. She was asked about her statement yesterday that the state is considering ways to issue work permits to asylum seekers in a bid to circumvent the circumvent the long wait for permits at the federal level. And uh, Hochul said she's take, talking to state assembly and senate leaders about what a work author, authorization bill would look like and whether it would be debated in a special session of the legislature, or whether it could wait until lawmakers return to Albany in a few months. But the governor also said that the House GOP could be leading the way on a federal immigration bill.
3: Republicans run the House of Representatives. Okay. Speaker McCarthy, other than wasting his time pursuing idiotic ideas like impeaching the president based on nothing ought to bring back the Republicans, of which there are nine from the state of New York, who should be feeling this and hearing about this instead of calling on us to do something. Immigration is a federal problem. It calls for a federal solution. President Biden has bills out there, ideas out there on how we can work together with the Republicans, and they won't get back to work and deal with this.
1: Most New Yorkers support making it easier for the migrants to be granted work authorizations regardless of their immigration status, and they support it by a 59 to 33 percent margin. That's according to a new poll from the Siena College Research Institute, which finds 60 percent of residents also support a comprehensive immigration reform bill that includes a pathway to citizenship for all undocumented immigrants in the country. More than 8 in 10 respondents agreed that most of the current migrants are merely seeking a better life. Some 100,000 migrants have arrived in New York City this year, prompting emergency orders from upstate communities after some asylum seekers were sent upstate by bus. Dr. Don Levy is the poll director.
4: We see tremendous partisan divides overwhelmingly democrats across the state support each of these at the rate of 75 to 80 percent but majorities of republicans um, albeit uh, relatively modest majorities, but over 50 percent of Republicans say, no, I do not support these. So clearly um, the uh, decisions about immigration in general and the current influx of migrants to the state of New York specifically have fallen under this partisan divide, which we see across so many issues here in New York State.
1: And so that's the news that we have uh, at the New York State level today a lot going on today we do have some news uh, also uh for northeast pennsylvania as well and for that we're going to turn now to liam mayo of the river reporter because it is time on a wednesday evening for our weekly news roundup from liam mayo of the river of the river reporter liam thank you for being here with us thanks for having me so um yeah uh, um, i heard that uh you've got some news about way memorial hospital what's up
5: yeah. Uh, so I think we talked a couple weeks ago about um, Wayne Memorial, sort of similar to other hospitals uh, nationally facing financial issues. Yeah. And this is kind of a tangent from that conversation, but it's also related in that uh, Wayne Memorial has announced that it will partner with um, uh, Barnes-Casson Hospital, which is a hospital.
1: Oh, Liam, are you there? Hey there, Liam. Uh, do you hear me? Sorry, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, you dropped off uh, in the middle of that explanation there.
5: Apologies. Um, so the short of it is Wayne Memorial Hospital is going to um, become partners with uh, Barnes Castle Hospital in Susquehanna County, so they will... Um,
1: Sorry Liam, I think I think we lost you again. Are you there? Uh just just to let you know we're still not hearing you Liam if you can hear me. Um Okay, I think maybe we're going to try calling Liam back. Let's just take a quick break
0: here. This is Radio Catskill. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local.
2: Set your controls for the heart of the sun and tune in to hear the psychedelic synth situations of electronic hairpieces with your host, Nikki Vito. In this new weekly program, I'll be spinning retro synth, psychedelic, and experimental records Thursday nights at 10 p.m. following Connect the Dots at 9, only on Radio Catskill.
1: Listen local. Welcome back to the local edition news and information. We're keeping you connected. And Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Jewish New Year, holds high significance in Judaism. And it starts on Friday. This holiday, uh, which means ahead of the year, first of the year, marks the start of the Jewish High Holy Days. Radio Catskills' Patricio Raboy had a chance to speak to Rabbi Lauren Zierler earlier today, giving us further insight into this religious holiday. Here's the rabbi.
4: Rosh Hashanah, the word Shana in Hebrew, has multiple meanings. It means to learn, it means to change, and it means something which is new. So, uh, the idea of review, of giving review to where you are in life and to the previous year is central to it, and, uh, it is expressed through a service which is longer and different. So we spend a lot of time in synagogue during, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the two days, and on Yom Kippur, 25 hour fast. Um, it's a time of introspection and review, and, um, But it's also a time of great hope and renewal when you look ahead to what you might be able to do differently and the opportunities that lie on the horizon and await people.
0: Right. And this uh, begins sunset on Friday, September 15th, this Friday, and it goes to... It does.
4: It's interesting. It's the weekend holiday. You know, the Jewish calendar is the lunar calendar. Mm -hmm. And each year, Rosh Hashanah will be a little bit different. It cycles back to similar days. But we have a joke in Judaism. We say that the high holidays are never on time. They're either early or they're late. Um, and, uh, this year they're coming in the middle of uh, September and it's, um, a nice time because of the fall, um, and, uh, and the themes of the fall itself. Um, what I would say about the Jewish calendar as well, uh, and the lunar calendar is, the idea of the moon, that the moon waxes and wanes, At that house, it becomes emblematic or a metaphor for how we change in life, you know, that, uh, we might find that we move into periods of decline, but then we're able to emerge, uh, with a certain sense of renewal.
0: Can we talk about the, the significance of blowing the, the shofar during the Rosh Hashanah and, and sure. how does it connect to the holiday's themes and reflection and renewal?
4: So the shofar is, um, is actually referred to in the, in the Bible, it says, Rosh Hashanah is not mentioned in, by name, but it's referred to as Yom Tru'ah, a day of Tru'ah. And uh, the Tru'ah is one of the sounds uh, of the shofar, and it represents the cry of man. And yet we're really not sure with the cry of man uh, how it should be best expressed. So when we blow the shofar, which is there to awaken the people uh, to a realization that they should repent and uh, consider their ways, awaken to it. and in fact we blow it for 30 days before Rosh Hashanah, uh As a prefatory uh tool to get us uh to in the you know in the groove of of this um act of repentance and reconsideration uh but it is an actual fulfillment of a mitzvah of a um commandment to blow it uh in at our services we don 't blow it actually on Saturday because mm-hmm. on saturday we we 're not able to carry things um unless there are certain provisions that are made. So we'll only be blowing it on Sunday. So that will make it even more anticipatory, more exciting because the people will not hear it blown on both days. Right. And of course we bring our children close because they will, they, uh, you know, give them the opportunity to listen to it. And it's very exciting. Uh, it's really a highlight of the service and it is blown. There are 30 blasts that are blown at one time. And then we have our southern devotional prayer. And during that prayer, we blow it three times at different points. And then we blow it three times at different points in the repetition of, of the um, Amida, which is the pinnacle prayer. And uh, after each of these sets of nine verses, we have 10 blasts of the chauffeur, 30 in total in the silent Amida, silent devotion, and 30 in total in the repetition. So there's a very complex way in which the chauffeur mm. is used. It is a tool. I mean, you could almost say that it's part of a religious symphony.
0: You know this this is a you know an important holiday uh, I'm sure spent with family spent with friends can you share a a memory or a tradition that has special meaning for you or your family
4: Sure. When I was a little boy, um, whenever we got to the Kaddish prayer, which is actually an introductory prayer, there are many forms of Kaddish. Kaddish means holiness, but uh, there is a half Kaddish. There's this, uh, that is a transitory or transitional, I should say, a transitional prayer uh, before we get to the Amida, before we get to silent devotion. And there are special chants for the High Holidays. And whenever that chant for that prayer was said. I would always look to my father because it had a certain, it was in a major mode, but it almost sounded like a cowboy tune. It went, but I die, 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 die. And it just, it was always, I'd always look to my father because that was when I felt that I was, you know, almost getting on my, up on my religious horse, getting ready to ride through the service. Uh, so that's one, that's one very uh, special memory that I have. You know, I've served as a rabbi and cantor for over 40 years. So, um, I have memories of, uh, certain, uh, chants that I've been able to, uh, perfect. You know, uh, the liturgy is very important. Um, you can maybe improvise on other times of the year at other services on the Sabbath, but we actually have a very, if one wants to be maintained fealty to this time and to its traditions, even the melodies have to be maintained in the right form. And the melodies have been—they have been assembled over the years. There was a 14th, a 15th-century scholar who traveled all over Western Europe, and he created a composite. Of uh, the melodies that should be said, and we 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 have a ruling that even when it, uh, one should not change custom even when it comes to a melody, so it's maintaining these melodies in their modes so that they reflect the meanings of the words. It's important that that text yeah. not be corrupted by a melody that does not suit it
0: now you, you know you mentioned you know uh the Safar and other Things that happen during the holiday, which has a lot of symbolism, a lot of, uh, and has meaning behind it. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, before we go, the symbolism of the apples and honey during the holiday?
4: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a very good question. We have actually at our table what's called the Seder Rosh Hashanah, just like we have a Passover Seder. So we have many foods that we eat. Uh, food is social glue, but also um, we say Simana Milsa, that uh, food becomes a sign of what we're trying to uh, achieve. Food is aspirational for us, so we dip apples in honey to show that we want to have a sweet year. We eat pomegranates, which have many seeds, um, and they represent um, the multiple mitzvot, the multiple good deeds that we can do, or the commandments that we have in abundance that come to us from the Torah, from the Bible. Um, Some people will eat ahead of a fish to, to represent that they want their year to be like a head and not a tail. They want it to be a leader and not a, a laggard. So there are multiple uh, foods that we eat as part of the state of Rosh Hashanah at, at night. And we invoke certain prayers with each food to indicate what the, what the purpose of that prayer is. Now, it's the idea of you are what you eat. Uh, and that by eating things, you actually have a tangible at your table that it takes you to where you want to or begins to lead you towards uh, that path that you want to be on for the new year. You know, you have people who, do, who cook certain uh, dishes um, or bake. Uh, honey cake is a popular food to eat oh, at right. the yeah. of the um People will make something called timis, which is a combination. It's like a stew, uh, and it has uh, – it has, um, carrots and sweet potatoes and prunes. And it's a, it's a sweet kind of concoction. And, uh, a actually in Yiddish means when you make a, a mixture, when you make like, uh, something, uh, like a, a mess out of something. But in this case, the tsimis is that we want to really mix with everyone together in to be so that we feel that we're not apart from each other. We're looking for nearness and dearness. Uh, It's not only God-nearness and God-dearness, which is something I often speak about, because God is, in a sense, more accessible to us because of how we design the calendar and the rituals of this time of year, but there's also personal nearness and dearness. It's the idea of, Turning back and coming back, returning to each other when there might have been uh, a a break in relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say it's important to emphasize that at this time of the year, uh, it's almost like uh, the political campaign when you suddenly see the candidates or your representative spending more time in your district uh, being more uh, ubiquitous and more available to you because the elections are coming about. So we have the same thing. The elections are high. God is going to elect who will live and who shall die. And he puts himself nearby. He puts himself in our... He gives us the tools through which we can feel a certain sense of intimacy and um, that if we Exercise that invitation to intimacy, then we hope that that will give us uh, a proper and a uh, positive judgment during this period, which, by the way, it is not closed till the um, immediately Yom Kippur, it's sealed, but the final fate comes uh, after the holiday of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, which comes on the heels. Of Yom Kippur. So we have, you know, we place the order, Mm -hmm. we work hard, and then uh, we have the way stations along the way until such time as we know the judgment is going to be made for us. And one of our prayers, which brings a lot of tears to people's eyes, uh, is a prayer in which we say, who will die? Who will die by fire? Who will die by by famine and pestilence? And lest I leave out this one point, I want to say that many of our prayers, most of them are in the plural. Because when we pray for forgiveness, um, we pray together. And if the prayer is in the plural, then we realize that we're actually carrying each other through this process.
0: It's a great message and a great way to end this interview. Uh, you know, to learn, I'm, I'm learning a lot of stuff from, from this. You're, you're talking to me about this. Uh, a lot of the uh, traditions I didn't, I wasn't aware of. So, uh, Rabbi, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Let us know about this important holiday, a religious holiday that's it's coming him, up.
4: It's my pleasure to,
0: uh, we we're talking to Rabbi Lauren Sigler about Rosh Hashanah, letting us know the importance of this holiday. Thank you so much, Rabbi, for talking to us and letting us know and about the customs and traditions.
4: I just want to wish uh, not only my Jewish friends um, but everyone a uh, happy and a healthy and a sweet New Year. Yes. Yeah, there aren't, there's no shortage of opportunities that we should exploit to be able to wish each other well.
0: For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Robayo. Thank you
1: so much, Patricio and uh, Tava to everybody who will be uh, celebrating here at the end of the week, kicking off the High Holy Days. This is the local edition. I'm your host Jason Dole, and joining us on the phone right now for the rest of our weekly news roundup, it's Liam Mayo, the River Reporter. Liam, thanks for joining us again. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me back. So we were talking about, uh, you know, following on from stories that we we've been following here of, of like, you know, uh, local regional hospitals struggling. I imagine it goes even beyond our region. Um, uh, but specifically at Wayne Memorial, uh they're they're entering into a new partnership which you felt like touches on some of this ongoing coverage that we've been doing. So so what's the story?
5: Yeah, uh the story is that Wayne Memorial Hospital is uh, affiliating with um, Barnes Casson Hospital, a hospital in Susquehanna County. That brings Wayne Memorial into Susquehanna County. It um should in theory help with the financial pressures that hospitals like you mentioned in our region and nationwide are feeling um, it's uh we've got a quote from uh ceo of Ann memorial health james pedinato saying that um one would hope that when you affiliate you get some economy of scale in providing services that keep the services local but improve the access of care for people so Um, By entering into this partnership, they're hoping to help the finances, and they're also helping um, bring services to people who don't currently have it. Apparently, there are some services that Wayne Memorial currently has, uh, like pulmonology and uh, certain types of cardiology, uh, that uh, the Susquehanna County Hospital doesn't have. So this affiliation will bring those services sort of between hospitals as well.
1: And this sounds like, you know, uh Rural healthcare, in particular, um, but healthcare organizations just trying to get creative to, uh, you know, meet this moment.
5: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, to make sure people are getting served with the services they need, while also keeping themselves afloat.
1: Yeah. All right. So, and now moving uh, to the other side of the river over. In uh, Delaware County, there you've got some news about um, water and air pollution violations in Delhi, New York. Uh, who's uh, being accused of this, or have they actually been found guilty of this?
5: Yeah, uh, so there's a food products manufacturer with a plant in Delhi. Uh, the company's called Friesland Campina Ingredients North America. And uh, last month, there was a consent decree settled between the New York State Attorney General's Office and this company uh for violations of air emissions and water discharges uh from 2016 through 2021. Uh so this um consent decree has the company paying a 2.88 million dollar penalty. Um in addition, uh, the company's already spent about 6 million dollars to um upgrade its facility to comply with Clean Air Act and Clean Water Act rules. Um, and uh, the specific things that they sort of were accused of and that they're paying this money to fix are um, water discharges into the Delaware River um, that were against the rules. Uh, they, uh, according to state officials, discharged uh, cooling water from their facility at um, too high temperatures. Uh, which can spread pollutants um, and which can sort of mess with the temperature of the river and impact the trout in the river. Um, There was also issues with um, the company not properly reporting emissions of toluene, a toxic chemical and a hazardous air pollutant. Um, So, I believe the company is sort of working to fix these things. And this consent decree is part of uh, them being taken to task by state and federal officials to um, shape up their act.
1: Wow. And, And so do you know much about this settlement in terms of I think whenever there's a settlement like this, there's often a question of, you know, is is the party responsible for going to make good on it? But if they do, do you, is there an idea of, of where these funds will go? Do they have to go to do specific things to offset some of these damages?
5: Yeah, uh, there's a report that half of the penalty will go to New York, which will use the money for projects that benefit public health and the environment in the area. So, That's in addition to the money they've already spent to upgrade their own facility. Now some of the settlement money will um, filter out into the area. Um, And I'll mention that uh, this reporting uh, was published in the River Reporter through kind of a partnership with Delaware Currents, which is a Delaware-specific news organization that did the initial reporting for this story.
1: All right. That's great. And finally, we have a couple minutes uh, left we could talk about. um, You know, flooding is a recurring issue in our area, but, you've got a story about somebody who is still feeling the the pain of a flood that happened in Livingston Manor back in 2006 when there were some pretty major ones around that time. What's this about?
5: Yeah. um, So we've been talking with a senior in Livingston Manor uh, named Eleanor D'Andrea. She and her husband lived in Livingston Manor in 2006 and uh, their property, among others, was affected by the flooding of that year. Um, and I think part of the conversation when there are these major floods is how can there be help from the federal government? And in this case, there was help from the federal government. Uh, FEMA was offering low interest loans to disaster victims. Um And the uh, DeAndreas had a loan through the Small Business Administration uh, that they took out. They were able to repair their home and started sort of paying that off. So in the moment, the relief worked very well. Uh, The issue sort of came more recently. Um, The loan was initially around $50,000. It got paid down to... um, Roughly $17,000, according to information from uh, Representative Mark Molinar's office. Um, but then there was an issue with uh, the way uh, the Eleanor submitted her payments, um, sort of around the time that her husband died. And whatever the error was, put the loan into delinquency and... Racked up a major dose of fines and fees at around 32%. So, this loan that was originally around $50,000 and then got paid down to roughly 17, is now up to somewhere over $40,000. So, um, she's currently working to sort of get relief from this uh, now that she's been notified of it, and. Um, there are not too many relief options available at this stage, although there are a couple she's working through. Um, but it's just kind of a story of like, even when things seem to work out well in the moment with federal aid, there can still be these issues kind of further down the line. It's not, it's not like a major disaster comes to an area and then everything is fine once the waters recede.
1: Right. Well, Liam, uh, thank you so much for letting us know about that and keeping an eye on all these stories, and we'll talk to you again uh, next week right here on The Local Edition. Great. Right.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: And that is going to do it for The Local Edition. We've got The Daily coming up next, and uh, then uh, stay tuned for the Retro Cocktail Hour, two hours of great music. This is Radio Catskill. We're public radio for the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen local.